Good morning, everyone. How are you? We seem really quiet this morning, like during worship. Did you notice it was like really quiet? Sometimes that's a good thing, though, right? Because you're kind of just taking it all in. <laughs> Nate was at the jail preaching this morning. He said he was, it wasn't quiet at the jail. <laughs> well, I want to give my Mother's Day greetings to you as well, to all the moms out there, all my fellow moms. Happy Mother's Day to you. And um, I, too, have a mom that's a 1,000 miles away, and I don't get to see her today. And um, so if your mom is far away today, I'm, I'm feeling what you're feeling. I get it. I'm right there with you. Um, so I knew I was going to be speaking today probably about four or five weeks ago. And as soon as I was told, hey, you're speaking today, it's like, woof. Like, you just get this heaviness that comes on you like, oh, my gosh, I better say the right thing. And so it's funny how, you know, we had Pastor Mike speak two weeks ago and then Pastor Angela last week and then me today. And it's kind of funny how God just lines up what it is that he wants you to hear and wants you to learn and the order that he presents it to us. Um, so two weeks ago, Pastor Mike preached on encountering Jesus and how when you encounter Jesus, that that gives you the power and the experience, to experience amazing things and not just read about what other people are experiencing, but actually be able to have those experiences yourself. And last week, Pastor Angela Bradley came from Stone Creek, and she shared with us how God woke her up several times hey. during the night that week. I need two wow, Carol from Kids Church is coming through. I don't know what that is. You get to experience kids' church a little bit today. I know, I know. Um, and so Pastor Angela mentioned how she was awoken during the week um, and felt like God spoke to her that our church has a collective destiny as a church body, as a church family. And in order for us to reach that destiny, that we need to start focusing on ourselves as individuals and really meditating on the word and eating the word on a regular basis. So what I'm going to focus on this week is a characteristic that we should be working on improving ourselves during our times of encountering him and allowing him to transform our lives. So um, I'm going to be throwing a lot of scripture out at you today. And um, I hope it, this is a word that will actually challenge you today. You know, a lot of times we come to church and we're like, oh, I just want to sit back and receive and leave feeling really good and energized and ready for the week. Um, but I really hope today is a word that you can take with you and then it will challenge you and help to push you forward. The Bible tells us as we grow closer to God and we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us that things in our lives should be able to be changed for the better. We should be able to see fruit from our growth, right? When you put hard work and effort into something, you want to get something out of it. You want to see change take place. So um, the Bible tells us in Galatians 5, and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, we can all look at this list. Can you all look at that list and at least find one thing you need to make better? Raise your hand if you can. How about two? How about like all of them? <laughs> right? So, but today, so that we don't feel so defeated and look at that list and be like, oh, man, I really suck. Right? <laughs> Let's look at the list and just focus on one attribute today. So today we're going to look at the word faithfulness. So back in the day, 
It was easy to show your faithfulness with a simple gesture, a handshake, right? One person would say what they were going to do. Another person would say what they were going to do, and you shook on it. And you just believed that that person was going to hold up their end of the bargain and that you were going to hold up your end too. But today, it's a bit harder to find that faithfulness in a lot of people. People just seem to do whatever they want, when they want, how they want to do it, or they'll just decide, hey, I don't want to do it at all. So when it comes to faithfulness, the best way to figure out what it actually should look like is to look at the word and to see how God designed faithfulness to be. Uh, you might have seen my Facebook post in the last couple weeks just asking people to send me the reaction on the word faithfulness. And I got replies that I expected. I received words like dependable, committed, and loyal. And so I looked down into the word faithfulness and other definitions that popped up that I really liked included the words reliable, steadfast, and unwavering. And when I saw that word unwavering, I was like, ooh, I like that word. Let me look into that word a little bit more. And so when I looked into the word unwavering, it said to continue in a strong, steady way, not swaying to and fro. So when I think of faithfulness, that's what I think about, continuing in a strong, steady way and not swaying to and fro. Since our whole purpose as believers is to model ourselves after God, let's first look at God as the model for faithfulness. That only makes sense, right? If we're going to model ourselves after him, let's look at him for faithfulness. So scripture speaks often of God's faithfulness. When he said in the Bible that something was going to happen, it actually happened, right? He said the earth was going to be consumed with water. There was a flood. He said Sarah and Abraham were going to con uh, conceive in old age, and they did. He said that there would be a virgin that would give birth to the Savior of the world, and we had Jesus. And over and over, we read that when God says he's going to do something, he actually does it. For example, he told Pharaoh, if you don't let the Israelites go, I'm going to send some plagues. And he did. He promises to protect us from evil. And we see that over and over in the Bible. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were saved from being burned alive. Daniel in the lion's dead, he was saved from being eaten by the lions. And as a parent, I know sometimes I tell my kids, if you do X, Y is going to happen. Right? Don't we say that all the time? And it could be for good things or it could be for consequences. But I notice if I don't always follow through, if there's not that consistency, that there's a lack of follow through, then they no longer take my promises or my threats seriously. But with God, that's not the case. If God was unfaithful even once, then we would not be able to rely on any of his promises. Just as Jeremiah said in 1 Kings 8.56, not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave. And David said in Psalm 89, 8, Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. God is eternally reliable, steadfast, and unwavering because faithfulness is one of his attributes. God doesn't have to work at being faithful. We have to work at it. <laughs> God doesn't have to work at it. He is faithful. Faithfulness is an essential part of who he is. Some might say, oh, but those are biblical examples. You know, how is God faithful today? A lot of people look around at the world and they say they don't believe in God because of the things that are going on around us. But Hebrews 13, 8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Since he was faithful then, 
he will surely be faithful now. So I asked some people to send me some examples of how God has been faithful in their lives. And I received several people that wrote to me and said, you know, my husband and I prayed and we believed that we were supposed to have children and it took a really long time, but God was faithful. We now not only have one kid, but we have two, three, or four. Here in our own church family, in our small little church, in the last year, we've had four people that have needed jobs for a significant amount of time. And during that time, God was faithful to them. He provided places for them to live. He provided groceries for them. He provided people just coming up and saying, hey, here's a little bit of money I have for you. He provided vehicles for them to use. And now all four of them have jobs. So God is still faithful today. Someone wrote to me and shared with me how God was faithful because he sent someone to them in, during the time of a loss of a loved one. Just someone to encourage them and to keep them going. So God just continues to meet need after need after need. This is what he does because he is faithful. And so many times we just miss it. We don't take the time to really look at it and to see it. And we miss how God really is faithful. The better we truly know God, the more we are going to imitate him. Faithfulness is necessary in every area of our life as a believer. The difference in a successful and unsuccessful God-led life is faithfulness. Living for God is a lot easier if you're sold out to him versus wavering back and forth, trying to decide, do I want this God thing? Do I want to do what I want to do instead? You know, when you live the life of a compromiser, there's a constant battle there, a constant tugging at you to the left and to the right of what you should be doing and how you should be living. It's not always easy to be faithful. You're faced with situations every day, and you just have to decide in that moment, am I going to choose to be faithful, or I'm just going to turn around and do whatever it is that I want to do? So what we're going to do for a couple minutes this morning is we're going to look at three things that God desires for us to be faithful in. And I'm a teacher, so this is my teaching part, and all three things begin with the letter T, so it's a lot easier for you to remember. So your first fill in the blank, if you want to fill it in along with us. The first one is that God desires for us to be faithful with our time. God is a God of order, and he knows what is most beneficial for us. In Matthew 6, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So the first thing that we should do is we should seek him with our time. We should use our time to pray. And simply, 1 Thessalonians says, pray continually. Two simple words, straight and to the point. Pray continually. I was at my son's baseball game yesterday, and I was walking from his field all the way across the other fields to get to the bathroom. And as I'm walking in the grass, I'm just talking to God. Not really paying attention to anything else going around me. Just talking with him as I'm walking across the baseball field. Simple example of praying continually. He also tells us that with our time, we should study the word. Joshua 1.8 states, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And Pastor Angela mentioned this last week, and she issued a challenge to our church. And she challenged us to pick a scripture and to meditate on it all day or all week. So I'm hoping today with all this scripture that I'm throwing out at you that maybe something will hit you a little bit. 
we would like, oh, that's probably something I should meditate on this week. In order to be faithful with your time, you know, God desires for us to attend church, obviously, and to attend church events, whether it's Sunday morning, we have our prayer night coming up, we have our culture clash barbecue coming up, um, our family fun nights, our couples nights, our ladies nights. You know, we should make it a priority to uh, be in a place where you can grow spiritually and where you can grow relationally to be around others that are trying to live, trying to live a God-led life like you are. And, you know, why, why do we as a church have these types of things? We don't just have the events because it's the good churchy thing to do or we need to fill up the calendar or we need to show, you know, our, our parent church, hey, we're having events and people are coming. You know, we don't do it just because. We do it because we want to provide a way for everyone to learn and to grow and to learn how to become that faithful believer that God desires for us to be. And we do it because the word says to do it. In Acts 2.42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. The word that stuck out to me there in that verse is the word devoted. Right? They, were, they devoted themselves to teaching and fellowship and prayer. They committed themselves to listen to the teaching and to be in fellowship and to have prayer. It was priority to them to listen to the teaching and come together in prayer and to fellowship together. And we know that last part, the breaking of bread. If you've been around, you know we take that very seriously around here. Every event we have food. Our exchange groups, we have food. Our culture clash barbecue, obviously we're going to have food. But, you know, that's how you fellowship with one another. That's how you get to know each other is by sitting and eating and talking. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. How are you going to be able to be sharpened or have someone sharpen you if you're not around other people that are like-minded, that are pushing you and encouraging you to grow closer to the Lord? God says to put his kingdom first. Not sleeping in. I would have loved to have slept in today. Not yard work. A lot of people say, well, on Sundays I want to stay home and take care of my flowers. Yeah. But, you know, if we could just get our priority of time to match up with God's order, we would be able to accomplish so much. So here's a little video for you that uh, gives you a little idea here of what we as people do with our time.
I know some of you were laughing at the bathroom time. It's probably because you know someone that says spends more time in there than that, right? <laughs> but if, and, and I know it said like 40 minutes a day on the phone. I want to know like what the numbers are, not just on the phone, but like texting and Facebook and all those social media things. Um, but, you know, my heart, when I watched that video and at the very end, when I saw the statistics for Christians and how much time they were spending with God, I was like, oh, my gosh. And we wonder why our world is such a mess and why we are such a mess. Man, if we could get the time thing right, oh, I, we would just see so many amazing things happen. You know, so why do we struggle so greatly with being faithful with our time? And I know that that's my struggle. I know that it is. I'm the type of person, I need to be one step ahead all the time. I need to have my list, and I need to be able to do, 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 and check it off as I go, because that makes me feel accomplished. That makes me feel good. But then as I cross things off, I'm adding five more things on, right? That's me as a person, and that's been my constant struggle since I don't know when. And I remember times just crying and praying and be like, God, just help me to stop. Help me just to stop and to be and to be still and know that you are God and know that I don't have to carry it all because it's not my job anyway. My job is to be faithful. When we're faithful with our time, then being faithful in the other areas becomes much easier because then we filled ourselves up, right? We filled up our spirit with the proper information and the presence of God so that when we go about our week doing life, we have the proper resources to pull from when we're faced with hundreds of decisions of what to do and how to act and how to react. That's hard. I had a hard time at work this week with another coworker of mine, and she said something to me, and I just wanted to rip her face off. And I have never had issues and problems at work. I drive two hours a day to teach where I teach because I love where I work so much, and I love my coworkers. But this girl this week, oh, my gosh. You know, when you speak on something, you have tests, <laughs> right? God was testing me. Are you going to be faithful with how you respond to this girl? And I did. I just had to walk away. I just walked away from her. It was hard. Okay, so the second thing on your sheet to fill in is that God desires us to be faithful with our talents. Our talents. Our job is to use what God has placed inside of us to further his kingdom. He doesn't make us good at certain things just for no reason. God is strategic at everything that he does. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together to the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one came to be. When he was forming us, he already had a plan as to what he wanted each of us to do with the talent that he decided that he wanted us to have. We didn't just choose what we're good at. It's not because we've spent time studying it or practicing it and perfecting it. We actually didn't choose that. God put that in us before we were even out of our mother's womb. So whether your talent is to draw, 
or to connect with people or to understand technology. I do not understand technology. Mike gets frustrated with me because about every week I'm asking him, how do I do this again? He's like, I just showed you two weeks ago. I don't get it. I, I have my second graders in my classroom will tell me, no, Mrs. Wilmer, click here, then click there, and then do that. Sometimes they just come up and do it. Technology is not my thing. But maybe you're, you're talented with working with your hands when it comes to decorating or to building something, or you can organize and administrate, or you're musically inclined, right? But whatever it is, God put that in you. That's what he wants for you. Matthew 25 is the parable of the men that were given talents, and I'm not going to go into that whole story. You can uh, open it up and read it on your own. But the one that was deemed faithful, the word was used faithful for the one that took what was given to him and multiplied it. In order for it to be multiplied, he actually had to use it, right? And the one that kind of just sat there with, with his talents, he was deemed wicked and lazy. So how are you or how can you use your talents to serve God and to serve others? These gifts and these talents weren't given to you just for you, right? What good would it be if our worship team were just at their individual homes, just singing and strumming all alone by themselves, right? They come together and they bless us with their talents. They help to further the kingdom. They help to usher us into the presence of God. You know, we have, um, think of our, our kids' workers, that are in there pouring into your children today. We don't babysit kids here. And I can say that I know because I run the kids' ministry. I know what's going on. But we don't, we don't babysit kids here. We are pouring life into them and pouring the word into them. We have moms today on Mother's Day that are in our kids' rooms, loving on our kids today on Mother's Day. And it could be easy for them to say, please don't schedule me on Mother's Day. I'm a mom and I need to be in service. Right? But instead, they're being faithful and they're in there serving with their gifts and their talents. And we could say that about so many different areas in our church. We have like three people that run all of our tech every week. Three. But they are faithful. They are here every week, week in and week out. So think about you and how you can use your gifts and your talents, whether it's here at church. And don't think, oh, church runs every Sunday. They don't need me. Oh, yes, we do. I'll tell you, yes, we do. Um, so whether you serve here at church or maybe in the community somewhere, at a school, or even at your job, yes, serving and not getting paid for doing something at your job would be an okay thing to do. So just think about that about yourself. Are you being faithful with what God has put inside of you as your talent? All right, your third fill in the blank. God wants you to be faithful with your tongue. This is a hard one. So when I started to look up verses about being faithful with your tongue, it was very quick and easy for me to find at least 80 verses on this. And, you know, usually when God mentions something over and over and over in the Bible, that means it's really, really important. As a teacher, I learned that kids need like between 50 and 80 repetitions of something to finally get it. So um, with there being 80 verses in the Bible, that tells us that this is something that God really wants us to focus on. So this little thing that you have, your little tongue, this little tiny muscle is so strong and so mighty. It has the power to encourage and it has the power to destroy. I mean, think of something that's destroyed, like a building, right? When a wrecking ball comes at it and hits it and it destroys and it crumbles, you have the power to do that to a person with that little muscle in your mouth. That is some big responsibility that God has given you when it comes to your tongue. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a couple verses from the Bible that talks about your tongue. 
And so I'm going to read the verse first and then where it comes from last. Because if I read it and it hits you and you're like, oh, I need that. I want you to be able to, to write down the verse. And maybe that's a verse that you choose to meditate on this week. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. That's Proverbs 18.21. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. I need to give that to my older daughter. That's Proverbs 21.23. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs 13.13. 13. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Ephesians 4.29. I tell you, oh, this one's good. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew 12, 36, 37. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15, 1. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Proverbs 17, 9. And the last word I'm going to give you is, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Proverbs 16, 24. So you can see from these verses that the way you use your tongue will either bless you or curse you or bless someone else or curse someone else. It all depends on how you decide to use your tongue. And I know we can all think of examples of people that just said the right thing at the right time. And they encouraged us to keep going. They helped to build us up. But just as quickly we can think of people that did the opposite and caused devastation in our lives by what they said to us or what they said about us. And unfortunately, we can probably say the same things about ourselves, that we have said some things sometimes that have just hurt other people. So our prayer for ourselves when it comes to our tongue can come right from Psalm 1914. We should probably all write that one down. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Practicing faithfulness in the areas of time and talents and tongue will make it possible for you to keep going when times are tough. That's my other T word. Practicing faithfulness in our, our time, talents, and tongue will make it possible to keep going when times are tough. If we're faithfulness in these areas on a regular basis, it's like we're taking all these wonderful things and storing them up inside of ourselves. That way we can draw from them when times are tough. It reminds me of a camel, right? A camel stores up water and stores up water so that when he's out in the desert and it's dry, he has that water to pull from. I'm sure all of us already have had, and we will continue to have times of dryness in our lives where we're like, oh my gosh, do I really have to keep going? Do I really have to keep doing this anymore? But when you're faithful in those areas on a regular basis, then you're able to pull from all that that you've stored up to be able to get through those dry times in your life. So what I want us to do for a minute is to look at an example of someone in the Bible that was faithful in all these areas and how it helped him to get through a tough time so that we can see that this is true, that this really works. So we're going to look at Joseph for a minute. And Joseph was a young boy who was loved by his father. 
And his other brothers were very jealous by the love that he received from his father. And so his brothers took him and sold him into slavery. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine your siblings actually selling you to somewhere where you're going to be far away? I couldn't even imagine that. But even in that moment, Joseph was faithful with his tongue. Never do we read that he uh, talked badly about his brothers. I don't think I could do that. If my brothers are selling me, as they're pulling me away, I'm going to be yelling back some stuff to my brothers before I go. He ends up in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife makes advances to him, and he decides to be faithful with his time. And he runs from the situation and decides, I'm going to focus on the real reason why I'm here in Potiphar's house. I'm not going to be using my time for other things that I'm not supposed to be doing. Well, Potiphar's wife accuses him of taking advantage of her, and so he ends up in jail. But while he's in jail, he is faithful with his talents. The chief jailer uses his administrative talents and puts him in charge of all of the other people that are there in jail. And he also uses his gifts of interpreting dreams at that time. And so using that talent then leads him to Pharaoh because Pharaoh wants him to interpret dreams for him. So he goes from being in jail to working for Pharaoh. And again, he uses his talents to put a plan in place to save the lives of people during the seven years of famine. As the famine's taking place, Joseph's brothers hear that Egypt has provisions. So they travel there hoping to get enough food and provisions to be able to survive the famine. Once Joseph sees them, he again is faithful with his tongue. He doesn't blast them for what they did to them. He doesn't seek revenge and tell them to go home and die. Instead, he uses his tongue to speak love and forgiveness and invites them to come and live with him. You know, I've had people that have hurt me with their words. And it takes me time <laughs> to, to spend time with God and to get over it. My husband is really good at it, though. We can fight, and like five minutes later, he's like, do you want to go get something to eat? No, I don't want to look at you right now. Like, <laughs> get out of my face. So uh, if you ever have confrontation with Mike, no, like two minutes later, he loves you, and he'll, like, buy you a car or something. That's just the way he is. Maybe not a car. He's got to buy me a new one first, but he'll, I'll let him buy you coffee or something. You know, but can you, I can't even imagine, like, Joseph seeing his brother. You know, and all this that he went through was, like, from the time he was about 17 till the time he was 30. Just stuff after stuff after stuff happening to him. But yet he continues to be faithful. And because of that, he's put in a high place where he's in charge and he is favored. And he has the ability to save the lives of I don't know how many people because they would all starve otherwise all because he was faithful. So now let's look at Jesus. And we're, I'm just going to touch base quickly on Jesus because we could spend a lot of time looking at how Jesus was faithful, right? So Jesus was faithful with his time because he went away to pray, right? We're supposed to be faithful with our time and praying. He would leave people and he would go away to pray. We talked about surrounding yourselves with people right, coming to our exchange groups, coming to the things that we do. And Jesus was uh, faithful with his time because he spent time with people that wanted to learn more about God. One of his talents was that he was a teacher and he was a leader, and he used that to teach others about God. He spent time with the disciples so that they could continue the works on after he would be gone. He was faithful with his tongue. He spoke life instead of insults to the woman at the well. 
He told others about God. He spoke healing to the sick. He spoke life into the dead. And he spoke uh, the word of God when he was tempted by the devil in his dryness, in his desert. And he used his tongue to ask for forgiveness for those people that were there at the moment killing him. His faithfulness helped him to get through a tougher time than you and I will ever imagine experiencing. But his faithfulness wasn't for his benefit, but it was for the benefit of other people. It was for the benefit of those that would never be faithful to him, yet he was still faithful. His faithfulness in completing the plans and purpose God had for him by dying on the cross allows us to receive salvation and to live a powerful life if we choose to. When we grow in our faithfulness, it not only benefits others, but it benefits those that we come in contact with. God is so awesome. You know, we can never imagine how he is able to orchestrate things so that everything turns out for good for those that love him. But your faithfulness can have a greater effect than you will ever know. So I asked some people to share how faithfulness has made a difference in their life. And one lady wrote to me and she said, um, she was talking about our church here, and she said, the friendships that have been formed and continued support is such a blessing. Knowing that they are all faithful in prayer for us is such an encouragement. I am in awe of what God has done and how he has provided exactly what I wanted and needed in a church family. Now, this is a lady who is, she's plugged in, and this is why she feels that way. She comes to events. She's part of an exchange group. She makes it a priority to spend time with God. She, uh, her and I talk all the time about what we're praying for, and uh, we pray together. And so this is a lady that she's, she's trying to do it right. She's trying to be faithful with her time and her talents and her tongue, and it's producing amazing things in her. Um, another lady wrote to me about her church family in Texas, and she said, The prayer, prayerful faithfulness of my San Angelo church family that has brought forth many answered prayers has encouraged me to continue to pray for whatever the Holy Spirit asks me to pray for. Um, a cousin of mine said that she has an aunt that is always up in her faith even when things are down. She's honest with God's word and gives it straight but without judgment. So, you know, when you are faithful, it's not just to benefit you. It's to benefit others that are around you. And our job isn't to try to figure how things are going to work out. That's God's job. And he's really awesome at it. You know, I have enough time trying to figure out the kids' schedule <laughs> and how that's going to work out to make sure we have volunteers covered in all the areas. Uh, but, you know, our job is just to be faithful. Faithful with our time faithful with our talents, and faithful with our tongue. Faithfulness isn't so much a product as it is a process. Being faithful to God this week surely does not guarantee that next week you're not going to have to discipline yourself to continue to be faithful. Faithfulness requires an act of will all the time. We must continuously choose to be faithful Faithfulness isn't a product of feelings. How many times do we say, oh, I know I said I was going to do that, but I don't feel like it, right? That's not what faithfulness is. You can't react based on feelings. Faithfulness is at the very core of being a believer. It's not something that we can be unsteady 
or unwavering in. We don't need to focus on God's faithfulness because we know that's a constant. Instead, we need to focus on our faithfulness. Remember when our time here on earth is done, we're looking forward to hearing, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. Not my well, um, not my good and successful servant, not my good and popular servant, but my good and faithful servant. I'm so thankful that despite of all my mistakes and all the times that I haven't been faithful, that God still is. <laughs> he is truly awesome. <laughs> Now, when we say God is awesome, we're saying that he is extremely impressive and he's inspiring. And how can he be faithful to me? I have been so unfaithful to him. Think of this in context of your own life. When someone is unfaithful to you, you have a hard time trusting them again and accepting them again and showing them love the way that you're supposed to. God doesn't do that. You know, I look at my kids and sometimes they make choices and decisions that just break my heart. And he gets that from all of us all the time. But he's always right there because he's faithful. He's there to give to you and to love you and to provide for you and to heal you when we don't deserve it. And that's how we are with our kids, right? <laughs> Sometimes our kids don't deserve it. They don't deserve the new tennis shoes, but we buy them for them anyway because we, we want to give to them. We want to love them no matter what. And that's what God does for us.